0: Media.
1: A mere 367 days after it started, the 2019-20 EFL season is finally done and dusted. Congrats to Fulham, Wembley winners, after besting the Bees to seal an instant return to the Premier League. Coming up, we'll hear from the Fulham fan who provided our moments of the season. And whilst the Whites are heading out of the Football League, Harrogate Town are incoming. We'll speak to the man who masterminded their promotion, Plus, there's transfers, points deductions and more. This is the Totally Football League Show. Hello, listener. Hope you're good. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, led here by that unbeatable combination of luck and circumstance. I'm joined by my EFL experts... Adrian Clark was a winger and is now a tactical analyst slash writer slash pundit. He spent Tuesday night breathlessly tweeting from the Totally account about the fabulous festival of football that was the championship playoff final. Um, Adrian, have you, your thumbs slash thumbs up emojis recovered? <laughs> well, the pressure was on. I mean, it wasn't a fabulous feast
2: of football, though. That's the problem. Mm. So I was struggling for content for a little while, but, but it all came
1: good towards the end, didn't it? So, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Good. Uh, Sam Parkin was a striker and is now on the Isle of Wight. Uh, Sam, how's the crab? Are you enjoying looking after a baby in a different place to usual slash
3: having a holiday? I ran out of crab yesterday and um, a friend of mine who was here the previous week said there was no mussels on the island last week, so I'm a little bit sceptical. And then you, as, you arrived. Yep, yeah, good one, Matt. And I'm a little bit sceptical <laughs> as to what's going to be um, missing or, or served up this afternoon when I go for a free course luncheon. Did you have a nice time on Five Live on Tuesday night? Yeah, I did. I was worried a little bit about the amount of devices that I had on the go. I had the game on the iPad, I had Zoom on the laptop, I had something else on the phone. It was all a bit grainy and I was about a minute behind everyone else. So a little bit embarrassing, but um, didn't miss much as Adrian just said. Sounds like you both mastered technology, so that is good to hear.
1: Um, Right, now we know who's who, where and why, let's get to that playoff final. It's the well-trodden path for Fulham once again.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. But to me it seems quite clear
0: That it's all just a little bit of history repeating. Full
3: Fulham looking to change the picture here Joe Bryan eyeing this up. Joe Bryan is caught out. David Raya.
5: Inventive, bright thinking.
3: It could send Fulham to the Premier League. History repeats for Fulham. This is how they got to the Premier League two years ago. And may have hit the heights on the greatest stage
1: again. I feel emotional, and I, I, I suppose
0: that
5: the journey that you go on, you all know that ups and downs, and along the way the disappointment, and I'm the face what fronts it up, and I'm the one that everyone sees. But behind the scenes is a support network of people that. Keep you, keep you going in them times, and keep you going in them moments. And I suppose that's why
1: I feel emotional because I feel, I feel for them people who are not here, and I feel for the people who have supported the team, supported me. Well, let's be honest, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Having bigged up Brentford for most of the season, the Bees saw their BMW stall at precisely the wrong moment as Fulham triumphed 2-1 AET to seal their return to the Premier League after just a season away. Uh, We'll get to the specifics of the game shortly. Adrian, I wanted to start with a word or two for, for Scott Parker. His first full season in management, he's achieved a promotion. And Tactically, how did he go about doing that here? Well, it was fantastic
2: tactical performance at Wembley. No, no question about that. I, I thought his his post match interview was was brilliant, actually. And you got to see what a, what a sort of nice person he is. Very thoughtful, emotional as well. So yeah, if, if, if you haven't seen it yet, try and try and find it somewhere because it's well worth a watch. Gives an insight into into what it's like to be a manager at the coalface. face. He was very very honest. But no, I think I think tactically he decided to to stifle Brentford did it in, in a number of ways he, he he shut off the wide areas he made sure that they they pressed very well there so they didn't create those two v ones that Brentford love love to deliver it out wide in mid in midfield there was a lot of bodies there it made it crowded but it it, it released Josh Onema who, who played more advanced than than you might expect and 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 they managed to release him quite a lot and and basically they didn't let Brentford turn them at all and 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 as we saw in the semi-final Ollie Watkins loves to run those channels and I can't really remember him doing it in the game I, I just felt that he did an outstanding job at stopping Brentford playing that was part one he then needed someone to come up with a moment of magic to actually win the game for them because it didn't look like that was going to happen and then and then Joe Bryan comes up trumps and of course then we find out that it was Scott Parker's instruction, direct instruction there and then, to, to to aim for the near post and to catch Raya off guard. So so look, Scott Parker, who I've been slightly critical of this season, he he had a ten out of ten day at the office, no doubt about it.
1: Sam, they lost their their first two games post-restart, didn't they, Fulham? And, and since then, they've, they've managed to, to pick it up. What's been key to the turnarounds? Maybe the lack of pressure once, once automatic looked off the table? Was that, was that a factor or is it something tactically or in terms of personnel that he's tweaked that's
3: changed things for them? A uh, bit of everything, uh, I would say. The, the pressure maybe allowed him to try one or two things. Spoke about the Sheffield Wednesday performance at, at length on the previous pod. Um, I do believe that the handbrake has come off in the last few weeks. But within that, there's been exceptional, consistent performances from one or two individuals who you can't ignore. Josh Onoma being the main one. Within that, I thought that's definitely the first time I've seen him play that high. Normally, uh, it's a one and a two. Kearney, uh, kind of of like a number eight. He was a lot deeper last night and controlled things, I felt. But Onoma was brilliant, you know, starting off that, Press as Adrian says with camera, those two quite central. I thought Bobby Reed was excellent as well. Cabano's another name that I'd throw in there, along with onoma who has just been a sensation the last few weeks. So yeah, I think all the criticism that Scott Parker has had has been warranted in some places this season. And we can't lie that we our surprise today. And there's nothing wrong with that. We felt Brentford would probably edge it and Brentford have been the better team over the season. We can't disguise that fact, but in the playoff games and last night, I definitely have noticed a change, but Adrian is right. You still need a little bit of luck or a little bit of brilliance. And they got that when the game looked like it was meandering towards penalties. So yeah, got the tactics spot on and then obviously had an individual who's come up with two brilliant goals to get them into the Premier League.
1: Sam and Adrian do the intelligent tactical analysis. I do the trolling through Twitter for something that amuses me. I stumbled upon this exchange between uh, Fulham owner slash director of football slash GM slash sporting director Tony Khan and the Whites defender Michael Hector. Khan tweeted, On transfer deadline day, I looked at at big underscore heck 35, held up my Premier League promotion medal and said, if you sign with this club, You'll win it too. He just did, and so did our entire squad and staff. Second for a lot of us. One of the best days of my life. Loved this squad. Come on, Fulham. Hector then quote tweeted it: uh, black heart emoji, fist bump emoji, sold the club well. Two crying face laughter emoji, praise emoji, flames emoji. Can't wait to celebrate you with you glass of whiskey emoji. <laughs> There you go. You still got a little way to go, Clarky, haven't you? Until you really. Yeah, no, no.
2: I'm a, I'm a rookie, aren't I? Compared to him, wow. That, that is that is outstanding. Emojiism.
1: Um, Tony Khan, by the way, also president and CEO of All Elite Wrestling. Uh, does this mean we could see a swap deal involving Naseem Cabano and MJF? No. For more on Fulham, I'm thrilled to say we're joined now by one of the stars of the BAFTA award-winning comedy This Country, Tormentor-in-Chief of Sam Parkin, it's Charlie Cooper.
0: Yeah, because it's exactly like
4: when Swindon sold Sam Parkin to its town, you know. We lost one of our finest ever strikers that day.
0: We did, yeah. But he had to go, you know, he was restless. Mm -hmm. He had to leave to progress his career. And the very least we could do was grant him his transfer request after years of exceptional service he gave to the club. And yeah, he did fail at Ipswich because ultimately he was massively out of his depth.
1: His career just nosedived after that. But Charlie, congratulations. I'm sure you got a bit of a sore head today. Where, where did you watch it last night?
0: I just watched it at home with my dad and yeah, feeling very, very hungover today. Um, woke up with, I think i have broken my hand, the smashed glass all over the floor downstairs. My dad left after the game, so I don't know what quite happened after. But um, yeah, I just, oh, just over the moon, just unreal.
1: It wasn't a great 90 minutes um, for the neutrals to watch. Uh, obviously, you're not bothered in the slightest about that. Was it particularly tense?
0: Oh my God. I've never felt like that during a game, ever. I kept, I was just pacing around, couldn't really watch it. Because I thought it would help not being there. It would, you know, be better for the nerves, but it didn't. But it was a game you, we, we couldn't lose. You can't. They're, they're, we, we've we got that over them for the rest of time and that is what is so beautiful about it but I can't imagine how they must be feeling
3: <laughs> Charlie you had the, the promotion obviously in 2018 and I suppose you went into that one with Real Momentum had a great end to the season nobody yeah. including me and Adrian fancied Fulham six weeks ago mm. uh, so with that in mind which one is the most satisfying do you feel?
0: Oh, this one totally Totally unexpected. Yeah, it felt all season that we haven't really got going. There's been moments and games, but it, we just haven't really carried it through. And the football hasn't been particularly exciting. But there's there's just like a there's a solidness there that we didn't have under Slab. And I do love Scott Parker. I mean, he talks so well. And the, actually, the best moment yesterday was after the second goal when um, he picked up his tie pin that had fallen off after celebrating. <laughs> You can't get any more Fulham than that, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as we stick by him next season and, you know, give him a chance. I felt we sacked Slab too early last time. And then from then you're just trying to catch up with yourself, really.
2: He's just so smart, isn't he, Scott Parker? He, he just cannot be anything other than other than smart. Um, why are you a Fulham fan? Can I just ask you that? I mean, you're, you're clearly yeah. from, from, from other parts of the country. Gloucestershire I believe,
0: yeah, you know, why, why Fulham and not, and not not Swindon? Should be a Swindon fan, well my dad's a Fulham fan but all my mates are Swindon fans and so I go and watch them quite a lot um, down the county grounds but uh, no I love it, Love got a soft spot for them so.
1: Charlie in terms of the, the Fulham squad obviously Mitro yeah. gets most of the headlines as, as the top scorer, who else has stood out for you, for you this season and is there anybody who likes Sam Parking you think might be massively out of their depth when they make the step up?
0: Sorry, Sam. Um, yeah, uh, big uh, Michael Hector was huge when he came in January. I mean, I think we could have gone automatic if he'd been there from the start of the season. He's just sort of was a missing link. Um, really loved Bobby Reed this season. He started really well. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, we still got a lot of the same same players as we had. Um, we can't make the same mistakes and just smash the cash on you know unknown on unknown players. So it's gonna be a really tough job, but I think we, we would have learned so much from last time.
2: So yeah, I think Scott Parker will be more sensible this time around than, than the club were before. Um tell us about that moment, the Joe Bryan goal, because for for us neutrals, it was one of those sort of out of your seat moments. Did that did that really happen? Um must have been incredible for you guys.
0: Yeah, just since, I mean, do you know what I I was I was gonna put a bet on because I was watching online so I think that it was like two seconds behind or something. And I was going to put a, bre- a bet 50 quid on Brentford to win the extra time. And then it was like suspended betting. So I thought, oh, that's strange. we got a free kick. And then, yeah, next thing was just hit the back of the net and just, oh, yeah, I can't remember what happened after. But just, it's the, it was the relief. And that's it, it, just, oh, I can't even put it into words. It's insane.
3: Charlie, who's your um, Fulham all-time hero? I'm about to go and meet the, uh, the scorer of the greatest Fulham goal of all time, John Harley. You remember that oh, one against Aston Villa. I'm on my <laughs> holidays. Um, he's not the greatest Fulham player ever. Who in your mind is?
0: For me, Brian McBride, hands down, at like classic centre forward, great in the air, a bit like you, Sam. And uh just like he was just a model professional. Brilliant. He uh, he tweeted me once and that was a, a memorable day. <laughs>
1: Charlie, before we let you go, we've got to talk about um, your relationship with Sam and how you brought that to the screen um, in this country. What, what what was it about him that, that made him such a ripe source for comedy?
0: Uh, well, it, I mean, we needed sort of an analogy. Swindon Town was perfect and it was choosing the right player. But of course, you're a Swindon legend, Sam, so it was quite, quite easy. But then I don't know any Ipswich fans, so it had to be a player that sort of tailed off a little bit. But then I looked on your Wikipedia and saw your goal record at Ipswich and it's sort of, yeah, thought might as well go with that.
3: <laughs> and reply, Sam? Oh, it's blasphemy insulting a Swindon Town Hall of Famer. So I'm going to revert back to the office where there's some nice Swindon references in future.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, mate. I really
3: am. No, you're you, you bang on. You're bang on. I'm not allowed up the A12, to be honest. At Chelmsford, I've got to turn around because the really? people of Ipswich absolutely despise me. So, anyone, any mention of a Southwold, Alborough, Woodbridge holiday in uh, <laughs> England this summer, I have to reject. I'm afraid and stick oh. to the Isle of Wight or Wiltshire.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: And you've just exacerbated that, Charlie. Well, listen, thank you so much for for joining us. We're sorry we're not going to be able to talk about Fulham much next season, but we wish you um, all the best. Thank you again. Thank you so much, guys. Charlie Cooper there, a man who knows his strikers. Uh, Brentford, then, Adrian, what went wrong? I think they had a bit of Wembley
2: jelly legs. I think I tweeted that. It can happen to teams where you just, where the occasion can the better of you a little bit a bit nervous energy can make you feel a bit heavy-legged I think that Fulham tactically did well we've been over that in terms of negating them but but they weren't sharp and and that and that can happen to you yeah they just played played with inhibitions they did certainly didn't didn't play to their strengths they didn't look to look to turn um, turn Fulham often and and those passes from back to front because they were forced to pass from back to front because of the press from Fulham was so good that it wasn't it wasn't really up to scratch the front guys fed off scraps so yeah it was it was desperately disappointing it felt to me as if as if Fulham prepped better than Brentford in terms of of Parker really focusing on a game plan whereas Brentford from the outside looking in it appeared that they were concentrating on themselves. We'll go and play. We'll go and be Brentford. There was a quote from from Thomas Frank before the game, you know, be free, be... I can't remember the, the exact line, but be Brentford, attack. And I don't think that they really um, focused enough on on, on Fulham and, and what they might do to them. And, and their reaction to the tactics from Parker was, was a bit too slow, in my view. So yeah, as brilliant as Parker was, I don't think it was Thomas Frank's best day at the office and and ultimately they 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 probably were second best over the Over the
1: 120 minutes. And the Brentford playoff curse continues. Ninth time they've been in it. Ninth time they failed to win. They even tried the uh, trick of switching from the red and white shirts. But that didn't do them any favours either. Um, Sam, I see in various newspapers this morning. Players already linked with the door marked exit. £80 million buyout clause for Ollie Watkins. Ben Rama as well we think might move on. Um, You've already got one replacement in mind for, for Brentford up front, haven't you?
3: Yeah, well they've been linked with Tony. I think... Darren McAnthony's move to say that uh, it's just paper talk at the moment, but of, of course, yeah, I think that Tony would walk into any championship starting eleven. Uh, I think he, he's that good. I think he'll get back to the Premier League one day. So, yeah, if if that's a, a deal they can do, he'd certainly be an able replacement for, for Ollie. Um But we know the way Brentford work and we can't... You know, I was probably a little bit hasty last night when we were talking post-match about this Brentford team breaking up but so what we, we know that they're built on uh, very solid foundations we know they've got the new stadium we know that the recruitment model will probably have already identified players for the championship or the Premier League you just have to think of the business they've already done with Baptiste and fossu that's with a view to improving them uh, and getting them ready for the Premier League in time so I wouldn't be too despondent if I was a Brentford supporter this morning. Yes, the pressure has ultimately told and they've not been able to perform in the last, what, three out of five games, shall we say. The pressure obviously was a factor, but moving forward, they just have to dust themselves down. Um, I'm sure Ben Rama will probably go. I'm not sure that his attitude or his performances have been at the highest level for the entirety of the season. I think the speculation probably has affected him. Uh, but for Ollie, yeah, he they both deserve their moves. Uh, and I think it'll probably happen this summer. I think it'd be difficult for Ollie as well to go back and, and have another shot at Championship glory. Uh, by the
1: way, listener, Sam gets irritated by the fact that Ollie Watkins is always referred to as Ollie Watkins, not Ollie or Watkins. Hey,
3: Dennis Adoy's joined them as party. well last night. <laughs> Dennis Odoi. Neskin
1: Cabano as well. Yeah, oh, you've got to do that one there. <laughs> it's the greatest name in football, isn't it? Right, final question before we leave this then, Clarkey. Are are Brentford going to be able to do uh, what the two-time European champions need to do and, and shake off this massive disappointment in the space of basically a few weeks? There's so little time between seasons.
2: I think so, yeah. I think that they're built on really strong foundations. A lot of talk about the way Brentford are run as a football club in the build-up to to the playoff final and all of that stands. It's still a very impressive business model that's working. And Sam's bang on if they do lose Ben Rama and Watkins. And I think Ben Rama is almost certain to go. I think Watkins has an outside chance he, he could stay, but I think they have both earned the right to go to the Premier League. I, I, I'm pretty sure that that Brentford will, will get the right players in. They've, they've done it over and over again. So, so yeah. And, and Thomas Frank, I think... Is, He's a good character, isn't he? He seems—he seems to me someone that's in touch with his players. Obviously, they felt the pressure towards the end of the season. He's going to have to work on that, but in general, I think—I think it's—it's think it's a happy place, and he'll—he'll he'll get the spirits up in time for September, and they'll go again. It, it, it'll be the same message as Leeds last year. Let's just let, let's just go up automatically. Let's smash this division out of sight and 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 forget the playoffs next time around. Let's let's, let's not even think about it. And and they're capable.
1: Well, congratulations to Fulham. Commiserations to Brentford. At least you'll still feature on this show next.
4: This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. Listen to it totally ad-free on The Athletic.
1: Let's talk sanctions in Sheffield now, as after an interminable wait, we finally learned late last week that Sheffield Wednesday had to start next season on minus 12 points after the Owls were found guilty of breaking spending rules by an independent panel. For more on the story, we Adam reached out to the Athletics Wednesday reporter, Nancy Frostig. Nancy, after a long wait, we finally learned late last week that Wednesday will be docked 12 points at the start of next season for breaching profitability and sustainability regulations. How's the news been received by the club and by supporters?
4: Uh, I mean, I think overwhelmingly with relief as a first um, first instance, just because um, it's something that everyone's been waiting for for quite a long time now. Um, we've obviously known that the hearing was going on and then we knew that it had finished and it was just kind of this eternal wait for, for the verdict. Um, but obviously it's here now and, and we know what it is. And um, I think the, the response from the club is that um, they're, so they've welcomed the fact that um, the independent panel felt that they hadn't acted in bad faith towards the EFL, so that's a, a positive for the club. And in terms of a right of appeal, which they do have against the 12-point um, deduction that they've been handed for next season... Um, they're just waiting until they get written reasons from um, from the independent panel that made that decision um, before they sort of act on that, on whether to appeal or not. And they'll get 14 days from the receipt of that document um, to appeal. And the EFL would have the same right as well if they decide uh, that they want to, although we've not sort of had an indication that that's the case so far. Um, and as for fans, plans are a bit divided, to be honest, because, you know, some people think, yeah, it's probably fair, you know, with kind of the evidence is there or, or they feel the evidence is there. Others, you know, are understandably angry with the process and with how long it's taken and, and basically the fact that it's slightly derailed, you know, the second half of Wednesday season and um, perhaps the, the league form maybe reflects that. But um, yeah, it's not an ideal position for Wednesday to start in, but I think it's just some security in knowing what on earth's going on um, is, is probably too welcomed.
1: And, and lots of people wondering why the points deduction will be applied to the 2020 season rather than nineteen twenty. That That's to do with the potential appeal, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it seems to be. And obviously, you know, we, we'd reported a while back on The Athletic basically to say that the timing of the verdict is going to be as controversial as whatever sanction is going to be just because of the season being delayed and, you know, certain clubs like Charlton Hull and, and Wigan who obviously have been relegated and while this has been rumbling on. So the appeals process, because it normally takes a week to two weeks for for those written reasons to be sent out to the club and the EFL um, and then they get the 10 days, you know, that's basically, let's talk a month down the line from now um, and we're not that far off then starting a new season. So that seems to be the logic um, behind the timing of it.
1: And you mentioned Charlton there. Do we think they're going to follow through with their threats of legal action?
4: At the moment I think everyone's just taking a breather it's quite hard to tell obviously whether they'll take that further I think you know you can probably see why some clubs are justifiably quite frustrated with the way that things have happened but ultimately the the EFL don't control how long this takes or when it's announced it really does all sit with that independent panel so in some ways it's not their fault and obviously Wednesday have just had to go with it at the pace it's gone so it's It'll be interesting to see kind of if they have an illegal grounding, and I'm probably not well versed enough in uh, the legality of it to know kind of whether they'd have a strong enough claim on on that basis. But um, yeah, I think it'll be one to uh, keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks for sure.
1: Very similar situation going on at Wednesday as with with Derby County. What do you think this ruling might mean for them?
4: It'll be an interesting one because although the cases are quite closely linked, there are some key differences. So I think. The issue with Wednesdays has been on the timing of the sale um, and which accounting period it was included in, which is very messy and complicated, but essentially from the initial statements that both the club and, and the EFL put out, there's no mention there of the valuation of Hillsborough or um, the fact that they actually sold Hillsborough being the issue. It was more the timing of the accounts. In Derby's case, timing isn't an issue. They'd included it in you know, the correct accounting period, if you want to call it that, so there's sort of centres more around the valuation of the stadium and whether that loophole should have been exploited. But you feel if it's not been not been punished in, in Wednesday's case, then, you know, that might be taken as a positive for Derby. But um, it, it does raise interesting questions just for the loophole in the rules um, as a whole for the EFL.
1: Sure. As far as Wednesday are concerned, then next season in, in terms of attracting players and, and getting recruitment, Done and and done right. That's going to be tricky now, isn't it?
4: Yeah, you think so? I mean, you know, Wednesday are, op- are going to be operating in quite specific parameters anyway. You know, looking at free agents or or young players, they can sign for lower fees um, or or bring in uh, loan players from Premier League clubs. Obviously, um, knowing that you're going to be starting on minus twelve points is possibly a slightly harder sell to new to new players. But um, I think you know, ultimately. Um, there is a change in strategy and what we're seeing in their recruitment policy and um, you know that they are trying to be more resourceful maybe with where they spend the money and who they spend the money on so the vision and and maybe the long-term project um, might be something that they can sell better than the immediate future which is we're starting on minus 12 points or less um, an appeal goes through so it will be a challenge for sure.
1: And and therefore, finally, Gary Monk's brief next season presumably is avoid relegation. Nobody's going to be expecting much more than that.
4: Uh, no, I, I think it's safe to say that survival is, you know, the first and, and main challenge really, and um, the main objective is kind of obviously we have seen in the past um, clubs survive from starting on minus points I think Leeds did it um, when they started in League One and they did actually end up in the playoff final I think they lost to Doncaster so you know it's not out of the question but you just just in the current climate in the Championship and with the way certain clubs are operating on certain budgets and, and Wednesday are on a, quite a different um, scale there that yeah survival's definitely the, the first thing and anything beyond that you know will be seen as a, a massive um, positive and a really good achievement I think for, for all involved
1: Frostick. of the Athletic there. So we found out on Tuesday that Wigan will definitely be in League One and Barnsley will remain in the Championship after the Latics and their administrators were unsuccessful in overturning the club's 12-point deduction. Um, Adrian, given given that news and what happened with Wednesday, I'm guessing you've got some more strident opinions.
2: <laughs> well, just, uh, I'd just like to know why the EFL chose to to wait until the end of the season before imposing... These sanctions, you know, they were charged back in November and the pandemic would no doubt be used as a as a reason. It it slowed everything down, but the world didn't stop, did it completely? How many people have but carried on work via Zoom? We're on Zoom right now. You can have meetings on Zoom. You can have hearings. You can have panels discussing things like we are on this podcast in March. In April, in May, so that everything is done and dusted by the time this season ends, and we're still waiting on Derby, by the way. Derby, similar charge, no doubt they. If if they are punished, they'll they'll start next season on minus points as well. It's not fair, especially on Charlton and the other teams that that, that went down by playing it fair. And these are long-standing charges; they go back a couple of seasons. I just think it's it's completely morally wrong. Them to, to be allowed to escape relegation, and I, I think it's a lame excuse to blame the pandemic when you can just chat like we
1: are right now. So it's all clear as mud in the Championship. Next, we're heading to League Two, where there have been managerial movements, and there's a new member of the EFL. Hey there, listener. Did you know that today is a very special day? Not only has the 2019 20 season finally ended, but it's the Athletics' birthday, and you can get a big slice of that birthday cake too. For a free 30 day trial, go to theathletic.com forward slash league show, and you can experience some of the best writing in football from the likes of Phil Hay, David Ornstein, Nancy Frostick, who you've just heard, Ryan Conway, and more. Plus, and this is where it gets good, you don't have to listen to this bit or any other ads that might pop up ad free and odds free just the way you and i like our podcasts so to experience that head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get
4: trialing on apple podcasts spotify smart speaker and now ad-free on the athletic this is the totally football league show with matt davis adams
1: Uh, it's that time of the show where I quiz the chaps on their occasionally glorious, often ignominious playing careers. This week it's called Parky v Clarkey, Has It Jumped the Sharky? Um, Sam, you go first. Here's your question. Uh, we're recording the show on the 5th of August, which means that what for us will be tomorrow will also be the seven-year anniversary of you playing for Exeter against your beloved Queen's Park Rangers in the League Cup. In the Rangers lineup that day were a current League One management team, i.e.,
3: a head coach and his assistant. Name each individual and the club they now work for, please. Yeah, I think I've got that because I came on as a late sub and I think I just chatted to Clint Hill for the 10 minutes I was on for. He's uh, a great geezer and uh, just had a laugh of him, basically. And I presume it was Joey Barton, the Fleetwood double act. Very good. Yeah, you started to heat up in this. Was that, by the way, was that the only time that you played against Rangers and what was it like? No, no, no. I played multiple games against QPR and generally scored. So did I you celebrate? It. Yeah, you celebrated. You used to enjoy it. I mean, QPR didn't want me as a as a kid. That's why, I, obviously, I, I was at Chelsea from a young age. And Ian Holloway always bemoaned the fact because he knew I was, was QPR. And uh, they tried to get me on a few occasions, just didn't quite get over the line. What I will say is once Andy King captained me at uh, Loftus Road, I think it was my second year, and I hardly touched the ball. And to be honest, it was too much for me. I was just like, it was really emotional, really emotional. And it got the better of me. And um, yeah, that that was the only really poor game I had at Loftus Road. So all the QPR supporting mates of mine probably felt I did it on purpose. I had exactly the same experience the first time I commentated on Chelsea against
1: Forest, which is obviously just the same as playing against your boyhood club. Um, Adrian, here's your question. bit of pressure on this week. Uh, We all remember that October afternoon at Home Park back in 97 when Plymouth and your South End shared a five-goal thriller with the Shrimpers coming out on the right end of a 3-2 scoreline. Thanks in no small part to a 20th minute strike from A. Clark. What I want to know is, this might be the most tenuous question I've ever made up, by the way. Which Plymouth player, whose surname is the nickname of one of Robin Hood's closest associates, scored for Plymouth?
3: Uh, Oh, I got it.
1: The goal came ten minutes after you'd scored. Can I steal? Give him a minute. Tuck. No. Same first name as you.
3: Oh, no, come on. Oh,
2: I've not got a clue what you're talking about. <laughs>
3: Go on then, Sam. Adrian Littlejohn. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I've, I've just I've, I've lost touch with Robin Hood and its characters. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I do remember the game though, and um, we got ah oh, yeah. I, th- I think. I did something to upset the locals. I can't remember what it was, and uh, yeah, I got there was a cage tunnel at Home Park there with the stand they've just knocked down, and uh, yeah, I got spat, you know the final whistle when we won, we were rubbing it in a little bit, but not gracious winners at all, and it um, was it was a, it was a t- tempestuous game and probably spitting and, and throwing stuff. Yeah, it was quite it was quite scary actually.
1: Well, that's what happens when little John scores, but you, Fryer tuck one in to, uh, to give your team the win, I suppose. Um, that was slash wasn't fun. Now, it's not just the Championship which has seen its playoff final go down at Wembley since last we spoke. The National League also had its showpiece game, and it was Harrogate Town who bested Notts County, running out 3-1 winners to book their place in the EFL for the first time in their 106-year history. So, who better than the manager himself, Simon Weaver, to tell us about the club? Simon congratulations first of all how have the celebrations been since Sunday and did you get back from Wembley okay I understand you had some travel issues?
5: Yeah we had uh, some travel issues on the way down uh, from Harrogate to Wembley uh, where we had to swap buses and then we had to swap buses again on the way back so uh, yeah we, we uh, pulled into Toddington services because there was smoke coming down the um, aisle of the, of the coach so that wasn't too smooth, but it's been overall an unbelievable last few days, and we've not stopped celebrating to be honest.
1: Um, for people unfamiliar with the with the Harrogate Town story, give, give us some background into into how things have changed in in your time at the club, because it's it's an historic club, you know, over a hundred years old, but but it's been a rapid rise certainly in in recent times.
5: Well, I was appointed in two thousand nine, and the chairman was Bill Fotherby. And after when well, I was 31 and, and just finishing playing really uh, due to injuries and I was coming towards the end anyway and he appointed me um, on the back of really reducing the budget and it's £1,600 a week, you know, for everyone, everyone physio, assistant manager, manager and playing squad. And obviously it was a very difficult uh, job to go into, but they needed someone inexperienced and cheap and, and willing <laughs> to, to ride the punches. So, but yeah, there were no existing staff uh, no playing uh, side at all because everybody had left the building. And so it's been a long process but since we've been full-time three years ago, i have had two promotions in the playoff and you know I've loved every every minute of it.
1: You mentioned the previous chairman there. and um, The current chairman, of course, you've got what I'm assuming is a unique relationship with it in the world of football. For anybody who doesn't know, tell, tell us how that works personally and professionally.
5: Yeah, totally. After my second year uh, in charge, uh, the first year was really, really hard. Second year was a little bit better. You know, we finished mid table and competitive. But uh, Bill me pulled me to one side and said, Look, I'm going to approach your dad because I'm 80, 81. Um, I've had enough. I want to leave a bit of money behind when the day comes. And, um, you know, I, I want to approach your dad because he's been a businessman. He's done well in Doncaster, South Yorkshire, in, in the building trade. And he knew he was a keen follower of mine through so every game. He watched every game whilst I was a player. And so it was a very, very difficult and awkward week, to be honest, whilst we made the decision. And I was saying at times, well, no, I'm not sure. But then Bill said, well, if we don't, I'm resigning this uh, club to two leagues below. So I thought oh, all the hard work put in would just go to waste. And I thought, well, I'm going to get some stick, aren't I? That's for sure. Having I mean, my dad in the board... Yeah, boardroom and me and, and pitch side picking the team but it was the, the last of the two evils really my dad coming on board and and to be honest he's he's a, been a brilliant chairman he's let me get on with the football inside um we've built it up to be a competitive conference north budget and then a national league uh, but we've had a plan all the way you know to try and balance the books uh, and get the business side of it right and work towards having a good team
1: and what you've managed to do so well is to balance that budget and, and keep a, a sort of small, tight-knit squad and group of staff around you. I know that your, your physio doubles up as the, the kit manager too. Is that something you think you're going to have to change when you get into into League Two next season? Are you likely to, to take a couple more maybe auxiliary staff on? Obviously, you'll you probably increase the playing side too, I would guess.
5: Yeah, well, we don't want to get away from really being true to ourselves. You know, we've... We've made really good progress the last few years, but on the back of that team spirit, um, and everyone's feeling valued, even if they have to go above and beyond sometimes, I think because they feel valued, they will. And it's the power of that that's got us over the line in this playoffs for me. We've not got a bloated squad. We've not got too many players on the sidelines feeling undervalued and uh, miffed, really, of non-involvement. So, yeah, we might have to just ease ease into it a bit and see and if we're too stretched then well, quite possibly but I've, I've got that I've got to find that balance really but at the minute we're enjoying the moment and and hopefully we'll have momentum uh, to enable us to get off to a positive start
1: you'd be hoping to get off to a positive start but you won't be doing it at your own ground for the first few games of the season and um, Is that going to be a huge disadvantage? Is it it maybe tempered slightly by the fact that supporters won't be allowed in the stadiums wherever you play? So maybe that lessens the impact of it a little?
5: Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Um, We've missed the supporters. And I know there's been some huge clubs in the National League who've had bigger fan bases. But ours have grown and they've really grown fond of the characters within the team. And we've missed their vocal support and it was a bit... That was the little heartbreaking story behind the Wembley trip, not having them with us. And also the families that had to wait in the hotel whilst we came back to the hotel after the game. But the start of the next season, we'll have to get our minds on it and just go, okay, let's be in a decent position for when the supports are allowed back in at our base you know, in Harrogate. But yeah, it's all a little bit bizarre having to play elsewhere. But at the end of the day, we're very thankful for Doncaster Oaks for enabling us to do that. And I'm sure our supporters, just like they were the other day, were still avid supporters and still right behind us.
1: Yeah, they'd have loved to be at Wembley, I'm, I'm sure. But before we let you go, last question. What's the one memory you think that, that you're really going to take from, from Wembley and from that whole day? I'm sure it was the peak of your, of your professional career. Is, is there one moment more than others that, that stands out at the moment?
5: Oh, um, embr- Well, it's embracing my staff. And then turning around and seeing my dad, well, kind of galloping towards me, if, if I could call that. It's more a case of a Peter K. jog when really it could have been walking. But that kind of emotional look on his face and just went, you did it, you know, and we did it. And so it's, it's pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk to us today. And we wish you all the best for next season. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Simon Weaver, Harrogate Town Manager there. We've got this really strange situation with Simon Weaver. He's forty-two years old. He's never managed in the EFL before, but all of a sudden, he's the EFL's longest-serving manager. It's um, <laughs> it's kind of difficult to know what to make of that, really. That is funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's um, continuity
2: can can be a great thing. Of course, we know that. One thing that was interesting that that I learned about Harrogate is is that he likes to work with a really small squad. So, what will he do here? I wonder. Will he? Stick with these guys and give them the chance, as Salford kind of did at the start of the campaign. And then they realised, ah, maybe the step up is, is a bit too much. And they kind of started again, didn't they, mid-season. You wonder whether, whether they'll learn lessons from that. There's not a big turnaround, is there, for Weaver to, to bring in other names. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting times. And, and yeah, the, the advantage they had with the artificial pitch will, might be a problem. Initially, I guess. But um, but yeah, once they can get fans inside that stadium, um, it, it'd be so, so exciting for the people of Harrogate. It's a lovely place, isn't it? It's a nice away trip. It's one of, one of the sort of uh, most pleasant places in, in that part of the country to, to go and visit. So I'd imagine a little bit like Salford. I noticed away fans absolutely packed out that, that that end at Salford's Ground because it's one to tick off. When supporters are allowed back in or away fans, I'd imagine plenty will be making the the pilgrimage to Harrogate. So it be a good good atmosphere stadium too.
3: One player to uh, look out for, Josh Falkenham. I played with him briefly at St. Johnston and I was absolutely astonished he didn't get more of an opportunity there. Really tenacious, brave Young player he was at the time, good quality on the ball and he'll be the fulcrum, I would imagine, uh, for them. I think he takes their under-23s, under-21s as well, yeah, so it just shows yeah. you how close-knit the place was. And it um, be good to see him, like I touched on previously, these lads that haven't had the opportunity. Uh, he'll be knocking on a bit now as well. I, mean, I think he was 19, 20 at the time, but he'll be uh, one of the senior statesmen, I would imagine, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him.
1: Uh, speaking of League Two managers, Oldham Athletic have appointed Harry Kuehl as their new boss after ditching Dino Marmaria. Kuehl already made three signings, including Cameron Borthwick Jackson. What do you think, Clarky? In terms of a fit between manager and club, Oldham, Oldham get through the managers pretty rapidly, but but he knows the league after his time at Notts and Crawley.
2: Yeah, well, he just he just needs a chance to get back in, doesn't he? That's the, that's the issue for Harry Kiel. It It wouldn't be the num it wouldn't have been the number one club on his on his agenda, I'm sure. Because they get through managers, you know, so quickly, don't they? It's it's not great job security at Boundary Park. Obviously, he he was sacked too early at North County. That was that was a bit brutal. Um, but based on on what he did at Crawley, you have to say that they've got themselves a, a decent gaffer. But but personally, I didn't really see what what Dino Mamria was was doing so badly. But but there you go. It's Oldham, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they uh, haven't had a manager reach 50 games in charge since Lee Johnson, who left in 2015. Kewle is the 11th different person to try since then. Um, At least they're backing him, I suppose, Sam. Given those signings that that we
3: mentioned, that, that would suggest he might be given a little bit of time. Probably the least attractive job in the EFL right now, I would say. You have to be desperate to get back in to take it because we know that there has been interference from above uh, at board level we, we know that and uh, Paul Scholes lasted a month didn't he and what's to say that this is going to be any different but yeah he made three signings all defenders only Morecambe conceded more than than Oldham last season so it's clear where they needed to start the rebuild uh, and they're going to miss as well Johnny Smith if you remember a lad on loan from Bristol City I, I mean think Here we go, 15 goal involvements in his 28 appearances. Uh, He was a shining light for them last season, so they'll have to bring some more firepower in. But yeah, it's a really difficult and challenging job. And you hope, as Adrian says, he gets a little bit of time to replicate what he was showing he could do. at Crawley, good football team at the time, and uh, hence why he got the move to Notts County. Obviously, it's, it's longevity we're looking for from any older manager moving forward.
1: Uh, whilst we're here, we ought to have a look at some transfers that have happened. It's a good traction generator in terms of online buzz, if nothing else. Uh, Adrian, anything piqued your interest in the last seven days? <laughs> uh, Troy Parrott. Who? Troy Parrott. Whee!
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! It was, it, was, it was so funny that I knocked my mic over. <laughs>
5: oh dear what a <laughs> oh, the <laughs> oldest one the oldest one <laughs> oh, amazing congratulations
2: no problem um, yeah <laughs> right go on then uh, Adrian any caught your eye? in the championship yeah I think there's not been a lot of a lot of business done so far at that level but but Millwall have well they've tied up another loan for for Ryan Woods which is is interesting but but the standout is that they've got Troy Parrott from Tottenham Hotspur on loan, and this is a boy that that many Tottenham fans wanted to see in the first team when when Harry Kane was injured. He didn't really get that that opportunity from Jose Mourinho, who clearly doesn't really fancy him. But those that have seen him, you know, at the the lower age groups, you know, speak very very highly of him. And if you cast your mind back to Harry Kane when he was a young player, he did he did end up at the New Den. At one point, didn't he? So, um, so you wonder, could he be following in Kane's footsteps there? That that particular move, it, it could be genius on Gary Rowett's part, or it could be one of those that that we sort of at the end of next season, it's like, oh yeah, Parrot, yeah, whatever happened to him? Because he because he didn't hit the ground running. It's that first big loan move as a young player in the Championship. It's a big test for him, um, but but I think he'll be working with the right coach.
1: How about you? Sam? Any transfers stood out?
3: Yeah, one in League One really took my attention. We spoke about Bristol Rovers' transfer activity last week. The the bodies that have been coming in, Josh Grant, Jack Baldwin, Max Aymer, defensive players. Zane Westbrook from Coventry, who we spoke about a lot the early part of last season, was in that midfield at Coventry, excelling, uh, playing games, tailed off towards the end of the season, I think fell down the pecking order, but surprised they've let him go. And it's a really good pickup for Bristol Rovers. Very elegant Midfielder um, can get on the ball good range of passing and obviously a brilliant age on the flip side Liam Serkham's been allowed to leave by Bristol Rovers a former teammate of mine very good goal scoring midfielder I think 30 years of age now so that's clear what they wanted to do at Bristol Rovers to bring the 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 average age of the squad down he's gone off to Cheltenham uh, stayed obviously relatively local and given how Cheltenham looked last year under Michael Duff I think that He's nearly as good as you get in League Two in terms of a signing because he's been promoted twice from that tier.
2: Yeah, no, I agree on the Westbrook one. I think that's yeah, he was he was a regular, wasn't he, up until the second and half of the season with with Coventry. And um, another one that stands out is at Fleetwood. Callum Camps coming in from from Rochdale. I thought he had a really good season last year for Rochdale. It Just adds to the quality that Joey Barton's got to work with inside the final third. I, I I really liked what I saw of Fleetwood towards the end of the season. Quite unlucky, weren't they, to to, to go out to Wickham after making so many incredible errors across those, those two legs. Um, I think they're going to be strong and, and Camps improves them.
1: A couple that caught my eye, Bobby Burns from Hearts to Barrow because it's alliterative, Bobby Burns, Barrow. Um, I so he doesn't leave in controversial fashion at some point because then it could be a case of Bobby Burns, Barrow. Um, how many barrows could Bobby Burns burn if Bobby Burns could burn barrows? Frank Nublay, Plymouth to Colchester. Frank Nublay is only 28 years old. This is his 14th <laughs> club, including loans. I didn't realise that he had a spelling China in 2015. Um, I'm babbling, so let's move on. That's just about it for this week and indeed for this season. Before we go, chaps, let's have your standout moments
3: of the campaign, please. Sam, you can go first. Mate, I've got nothing. This just feels like the longest season Ever And all I've got is just thrilled to see two of my former clubs getting promoted. So Swindon, I can't give you a moment. Probably the day it was going to be done, points per game. Sorry, Tradmere fans. And um, and Wanderers. Pull up a chair, boys. And take your seat at the championship table. At Wembley, given the story, we all felt they were going to fall away. Um, you know, what were they doing there? And then the performance was... Um, was magnificent to to beat Oxford so I I did enjoy those celebrations it's been a tough time for everyone um, it's been a pretty miserable few months but for five minutes I was taken to a different place by Wickham's uh, players spraying champagne and, and just looking so thrilled to have achieved what they did. Yeah I think that was a standout moment for all of us actually how about
1: you Adrian?
2: Well, I enjoyed Forest falling apart. I thought that was terrific uh, oh, entertainment. Yes, that was great. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get a lot better than that. The Barnsley South
1: End finish up this season, by the way. They do all right in yeah, the end. No, they get relegated essentially Southend. by Christmas.
2: <laughs> was that a bite? Did I, did I get one there, Sam? <laughs> um, <laughs> Shame your replica
3: FA Cup, mate. Uh, and Bar- <laughs> Barnsley,
2: obviously, Barnsley saving themselves in, in injury time. I thought was was, was sensational. <laughs>
0: Look at these scenes! Have you ever
3: seen anything like this? Barnsley have pulled off the unthinkable.
2: And um, but for me personally, the one that I was at, it was um, it was at Pride Park, Wayne Rooney's 500th game in in English football, and all eyes were on him. He was sensational in the game, and then lo and behold, he gets he gets a penalty. And and you think I oh, can't blow it on his big day, can he? And the answer is no. He peninked the keeper. Um, it was against Fulham. Peninked Rodak. It was it was a glorious moment to to commentate on. And and yeah, that was probably the
1: EFL highlight for me. Okay, so you've had a dig at Forest and then picked a Derby moment as your moment of the season. That's. That's strong. No, no real moments of the season for me because Forrest, but I did enjoy uh, Sam's appearance on this country and that Newcastle supporter helicoptering his <laughs> genitals in the cup game at Oxford. That must have been at least
2: two seasons ago. It can't can't have been this season.
1: Apparently it was. Um, We're off on our postseason break now, but fear not, we'll return just in time for the new season, which kicks off on September the 12th. Thanks for listening and interacting with us throughout this mammoth campaign. We couldn't have done it without you. Uh, It would have been impossible to attract a sponsor for one thing. Until next month, from Sam, from Adrian, producer Abby and from me, it's bye for now.
4: You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network, at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees
2: Media.